Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we have a special edition today. We have Pastor Anthony Savaggio on the line with us. He is one of our speakers coming up at Reformation Boise Conference, November 9th and 10th. Now, if you didn't come to this conference last year, let me just give you a little overview on it. We had two uh, speakers, Dr. Beaky and and one of the professors from PRTS there, and we had over 675 people registered, 550 people showed up on Friday night, and it was just awesome. It was great because... You know, this was an opportunity for us to come together on the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation and um, worship with other Christians from other churches. And we loved it so much, so we um, did it again this year. And uh, on the line with us, we have Pastor Anthony Savaggio, one of our speakers, and he has written several books on practical theology, one of them called A Proverbs-Driven Life, one of them a 24-7 Christian, Practical Help from the Book of James, um, and then you actually wrote a book that we gave away last year, Pastor Savaggio, um, that, that uh, Meet Martin Luther sketch. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, that was a really great book. Um, very, very, very good. So um, Pastor Savaggio is going to be speaking on two particular uh, talks from Calvin's little book on the Christian life. And the first talk is on self-denial. And... Um, Honestly, you know, I mean, if you try to publish a book on self-denial today, probably not going to sell too well. <laughs> so maybe can you, can you, I mean, because I, I, I've read part of it and I, I loved every part that I read. So can you maybe kind of brush away the weeds a little bit and show us how this is actually a good, glorious thing? What is Calvin saying and what is he not saying? Yeah, so this, um, he gets in this idea of the challenge of you know, living in the here and now, and the biggest challenge is denial of self. And of course, it's building off of, obviously, the teachings of Scripture and the teaching of our Lord. If you want to see the calling of the Christian in this life, um, you know, Jesus summarizes it for us in Matthew 22, verses 30 through 34 through 40, where he basically tells us uh, that, you know, you, you shall love the Lord your God, first of all, and love your neighbor. And in that is kind of what the theme of my my message will be, is that um, if you look at that, God comes first, and then uh, your neighbor comes second, and by default, you come in third. <laughs> and, and it goes back to the calling of Jesus to, uh, to really to pick up our cross, and, and that is, is in, a, in a level what the old theologians would have called mortification of the flesh, or self-denial, or what Paul would call uh, the crucifixion of the flesh. I'm crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Yeah. And that, yeah. my friend, is a very unpopular and exactly opposite of the mantra of our entire culture. Yeah, yeah. which is all about uh, you know self affirmation, self indulgence, and self love. Yeah. So it, it, this you couldn't get something that's more in contrast, more countercultural than what Kelvin is calling for 
in, in this idea of self-denial. So can I press back a little bit? Um, I, yeah. hear, I hear that word self-denial, and um, if you're if you're going to be a Christian that's that's self-denying, doesn't that make you a kind of a morose, sour kind of person? Kind of you know hard. Great to... question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's not confuse self-denial with self-loathing. Mm. Uh, that 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 is certainly not what um, we're talking about, or, or this kind of. Uh, uh, a morose idea that you talk about. That's a very good point. And, I, and one of the things I will uh, hopefully try to uh, express in my, uh, uh, in, in my, in my address that it's, this is not about self-hatred or self-loathing. That's mm-hmm. the wrong idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really this idea uh, of, uh, of putting the most important priorities in our life in order and uh, to really understand what Christ is calling us to do, which is to say no to ourselves and yes to him. And really that, if you look at it properly, it, it, it ultimately produces the greatest amount of personal joy mm. and, and it produces a world uh, that is, is beautiful and glorious and a place you want to live in. And and, you know, the, the Ten Commandments and all that they're given, they, they, they are given all, everything that God says to us that seems like, you know, thou shall not. He, he is not to deny us. Uh, it is to uh, provide us a better life, a better way. So I, I would never make this argument. I know some have expressed it this way, that, all, that, that really the call of Christianity is ultimately kind of a self-indulgence because it's the best thing you could do for yourself. Mm-hmm. is to deny yourself and, and an odd kind of paradox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. You know, and um, maybe, a, you know, so for, for some people, um, like I said in the last program that we live in an area that I think the doctrines of grace have not gone deep into. And probably, probably a lot of listeners have some caricatures of, of Calvin, what kind of person he was and, and can you speak to that? I mean, what kind of what kind of pastor was Calvin personally? I mean, what kind of care did he have for the church? You know, this is, um, I mean, if you really read uh, Calvin's uh, Institutes, if you really read what he wrote, uh, what you find is really a pastoral work. I mean, it's it's not. Uh, I, I would not describe it as. Uh, you know, some of the post-Reformation dogmatics and the Protestant scholasticism that followed the Reformation, you know, it gets pretty uh, pretty dense and technical and, and sometimes esoteric. And, of course, the Puritans could, could give you an outline that could go on and on and on. There's great things there. But, uh, but with Calvin, if you really look at it, it's very much written in a pastoral heart. And, of course, he, he like Luther, in a sense, had to kind of uh, reimagine what what it meant to care for people and to order the church. So you're really finding this time of uh, right in, you know at the heart of the Reformation where these uh, new Reformation churches are there, and you know you've got pastors who are are family men all of a sudden, right? They're having children and wives and what all that means, and and then how how the church is to worship as far as its music and its liturgy, and so Calvin is doing all that. You know, he's a pastor. Uh, and he has a really a pastor's heart. You look at most of what Calvin wrote are really um, commentaries. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the bulk of his writings and is really preaching to people. And so ultimately, 
when you think of John Calvin, uh, you think of someone who is has a pastor's heart and a pastor's concern, an expositor of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I was at uh, PRTS conference here a couple years ago. Well, actually, for the 500 year anniversary, and I picked up uh, Calvin's letters while I was there um, from uh, you know one of those used Baker book sales, and uh, I am shocked at how many at how many letters that. John Calvin wrote. Uh, but one of them in particular, if, if you remember the story of those five young Frenchmen who just finished their theological instruction in Switzerland, they return uh, to France to spread the gospel. They're, you know, intercepted and arrested and put in prison for a year. They're awaiting their sentence, and in the end, they're, they're burned to death. And Calvin um, applied all of his theological, you know, um, gifting that God had given him, and uh, basically talked to them about how to live in between um, that moment of being imprisoned to the to the time where they would actually be burned at the stake. And wow. I, I would wow. just say, you know, if, if you're, I would just encourage our listeners, if your theology is not able to hold you up and sustain you um, in life and death situations, then, then perhaps you should reexamine what you believe. Um, if the gospel that you believe, the gospel that you've heard, if the gospel that you preach can't be preached and encouraged and, and be encouragement for Christians in Somalia or in the underground church in China or in the ghetto in Chicago, it's probably not a, it's probably not a biblical gospel. Well, what would mm-hmm. you say to that, Pastor Savaggio? Yeah, I would, I'm totally with you on that. And I think so much of, uh, the the gospel that is at least in, in broader evangelicalism that concerns me is it really is uh, just a veiled uh, uh, version of uh, of uh, you know what we would historically call a you know a health and wealth kind of gospel um, that really what underlies it is uh, you know something that's not all that different than you might find in a in, in, a, in, a, in an Apple <laughs> commercial about, you know, yeah. how, to, how to take care of yourself with kind of a, a Jesus veneer on it. So, but that, that type of gospel is not going to carry you through the times of trial and the times of, of tribulation that come in people's lives. Uh, when things come crashing down, you have to have something uh, to stand upon. And I think when the gospel is rightly preached, uh, that you have in it the rock of Christ upon which you can stand uh, in trials. I'm preaching through Hebrews, uh, and I'm preaching this this uh, Lord's Day on the passage about we have an anchor for our souls, mm. and that is what the gospel does. It keeps us when it you know when it focuses on in a Christocentric way on what what Christ has done in our as our great high priest. It anchors us. Uh, in times of storm, it keeps us from drifting away, and and it helps us to stand firm amidst amidst the storms of life. Mm, that's great. Um, before we close, you know, um, on today's program, I when I first started um, embracing Reformed theology, I had an aversion to practical theology. This conference is about practical theology. And the reason why I had an aversion to practical theology is because I assumed that it was so much very much like kind of the self-help books, you know, seven ways to improve your life type stuff that I had been hearing for the last decade. Can you maybe <clears throat> can you maybe tell us why that's not what your what your goal is? Or or can you maybe give us a, a the difference between practical theology and that kind of self-help? Yeah, so 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 for me, I, I can't um, 
I can't really fathom that there'd be anything other than practical theology. <laughs> so, like, because all theology should be practical, and that is like ultimately one of the dangers of Reformed theology. I think, and, and is that it can appeal to the intellect. There's a great intellectual tradition. There, there are great consistencies and systematic treatments of our faith. But honestly, if it just remains there, it mm. does no good right. uh, because this has to become something that is lived out practically. That's where it matters. So I think what I would compare it to in the self-help of the world is the self-help is really uh, uh, something that indulges the self uh, with a false sense of security, whereas the practical theology of Scripture uh, makes us aware of ourselves, not self-loathing, but re- reminds us that the way to uh, pleasing God and living the good life uh, as God has defined it is not found through uh, rewarding the self, but by loving God, loving our neighbor uh, mm-hmm. as the primary calling of who we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. And that that ultimately uh, produces uh, the most happiness, if you will, for someone, because happiness is living in accordance with what God has called us to be. Mm. Very good. Well, we certainly appreciate you being with us on the program today. You've been listening to uh, Pastor Anthony Savaggio. He is one of our speakers coming up at our conference this year, Reformation Boise. The theme of the conference is Living in Between, the Christian Life in the Here and Now. This conference is going to be held November 9th and 10th. If you go to ReformationBoise.com, you can find out more information about the conference itself, as well as register right there online. The conference is for free, which is really amazing. There's been some great churches here in the Valley that have uh, have partnered together to bring in these speakers because we we really desire for Reformational Theology to go deep into our hearts. Like Pastor Savaggio have said, this is not a a cold religion, but it is very warm. It's the heartbeat of Christ. It's it's the doctrines of grace. So we hope that you can come. Go to ReformationBoise.com. Thank you, Pastor Savaggio, for being on the program with us. Thank you so much for having me. 